Jed Toffer, and today I'm speaking with a another new friend of mine, Carl Dillon. Hello, Carl. Hey, Jed. Thanks for having me on. How's it going? We're here at um, Apex in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, people should uh, um, really feel badly for us. I'm staring out <laughs> the window here at uh, you know snow-covered trees. It's really awful. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's going to be really mad when she hears this podcast and be like, oh, oh I, th- I thought you were hurt at work. Oops. <laughs> Beautiful sunny days too. Yeah, right? I know, 65 degrees with snow on the ground. It's really tough. It, it is. It's 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 absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, it's it, it's uplifting, um, and inspiring. So, I, you you are an uplifting and inspiring person too, which is why I wanted you to do this. <laughs> well, then my segue. My marketing branding has worked really well. That's, <laughs> uh, that's all I've ever wanted is to feel uh, uplifting and helpful. What you you wanted to talk about order versus balance, and I, I'm intrigued right away on the use of the connector there versus not order, not order and balance. No, or order in balance, or order with balance, order versus balance. Yeah, I think the hard thing is you know if we've grown up. Uh, you know, so I grew up in South Africa, but I've lived in the States for a long time. And I think Western culture, we're obsessed with this idea of balance. But if you or me or, you know, any of our friends listening right now were to stop and think about it and go, hey, one, who's one person you know that is constantly living in balance? <laughs> Nobody. And yeah, I mean, yeah. right, that silence yeah, just stretches out and you're like, uh. And in most other things, you know, you think if you're a creative like Jed and I are listening to this, you you have heroes who have done things. You're like, I want to get better at lighting. Or for me, I'm a musician. I want to get better at songwriting or, or, or live performance. There are other people that I can emulate and go, mm. man, I really love the way this person does this thing that I really admire. But here we are as a culture chasing this idea of balance. And yet if we get really honest, like there are very few, if none, of the people that we're looking around at going, oh, they've achieved and are living in a perpetual state of balance. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, a few years ago, I stopped and started thinking, well, why are we constantly talking about work-life balance or or all of the other, what, hey, what, what's your balance like right now? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I don't know that that exists. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's not even a, a unicorn. It's a mist. It's a, like, you know, somebody talked about, you know, a, a, a purple colored fog and we we're all out chasing it. We've never seen it. Right. And if for some reason it appears for a second, the minute you touch it, it disappears like a vapor. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I've really come to believe that, um, that balance is a myth and what we're really supposed to be looking for is order. Because even in simple mathematical terms, If I look at, I've got lovely wife, two kids, a job, some things I'd love to do with my life, passions and hobbies. And if I went, okay, balance means everybody gets a fair share. There's a pie, everybody gets a cut. Sure. My work at 40, 50, 60, for some of those of you who are listening who may be in unhealthy spaces, hint, hint, 80, 90 hours <laughs> in this particular season of your life, balance is never achievable because there's only 168 hours right. and you can't go, wife gets 10, yeah. kids each get 10 for each of them, mm-hmm. job gets 10, my personal hobby gets, that's not the way it works. And yet we still are obsessed with this idea. But I think it's much more interesting and helpful to consider what it looks like to pursue order. And and so what what does that look like? What does pursuing it look like? I think the before you pursue something you have to define it. 
Good. And I think order will look different for everybody. And one of the things that, you know, I, I constantly am trying to reiterate with friends or, or anybody who's hearing this idea, maybe even for the first time, is as you listen to me, I would encourage you to hear it as descriptive, not prescriptive. Okay. So I am telling you how I'm experiencing order, but I'm encouraging you to go and define that in your space. And so for me, order, as a person who is um, kind of really been fortunate to find a healthy path in my spirituality, uh, I look at order as being my creator, that in, in my <clears throat> particular experience is through the lens of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I look at this as, okay, it's my relationship with God. And it's a relationship. It's not a duty or an obligation or a thing that I have to do. It is a in either a dark night of the soul or in just a quiet place on a great day like today when I walk outside and, and find moments of solitude and silence, this relationship is primary. Mm -hmm. um, because even if you think about the ways that we've shifted our language in the last hundred years, do you realize before the, the 20th century, priority was a singular word? Nobody had priorities. They had a priority. Like is that, that is something we is created. That right? Yeah, it is a linguistic adaptation of the 20th century. Because as we industrialized, we became busier and had more things to do, and we no longer had a singular priority. We had multiples, but we have been operating for you know millennia before that to have a singular priority, and everything else was secondary. Okay. And so I, I think if you think about, there's amazing benefits of the 21st century. I think 99% of us around this conversation or listening right now wouldn't have a profession without the 20th and 21st century right. technology, right? Sure. But with every great tool comes also a great engine for possible destruction mm. in our personal spaces. Yeah. And so we have to think about, okay, so as all of our responsibilities have multiplied and our abilities to create have multiplied, have we lost sense of a priority? And so for me, I have a singular priority to be in relationship with the one who created me and ask a question, why? What does today look like and why does it need to look that way? So you start there. I start there. That's, that's number one. And my order is very simple. There's only four spaces. It goes, God... Creator, Jesus, that's the one. And again, prescriptive, not prescriptive, descriptive not prescriptive, for me. Prescriptive, descriptive. Right? So whatever that is for you. Um, and again, anybody who's listening to this who wants to reach out and ask about those things, always love to talk about that space. But, but for someone that doesn't share that belief, would you would you say it's fair to say that in your mind it's an object it's an objective piece absolutely something outside of yourself for sure because just ask again a, a logical question am i um in stasis or am i constantly changing right and as humans we're constantly changing mm -hmm. and adapting and so it would be like me thinking about a glass of water mm -hmm. what's really helpful with a glass of water that i've got right now is there's a flat stable surface for me to start with mm -hmm. and put it there and when i need it i can go draw nutrients from it mm -hmm. but if the table's always moving that's not helpful to me right. if somehow the glass is always shaping differently and yeah. isn't holding the amount of water i need then that's a problem right. and so for us we can't be these uh this species that goes, I am the end all and be all of my own um, future because we're, there's no stasis, there's right. no stability. Right. So again, whether that's beauty or a muse or the larger context of the universe, whether or not you think there's a creator involved, right. the beauty of being a creative is you recognize there is largeness, there right. is infinity, there's something larger than you are. Right. So start there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I like that. Because my other thing, again, as a you know, a spiritual f follower uh, of Jesus, 
it was never about, hey, let me convince you that this is your thing and exactly what you need to do. Because I came to that order that Jesus was number one through a personal experience. Nobody translated it to me. Nobody taught me that. I had an encounter. And my hope as a good friend and a good fellow human on this journey is that other people will have those encounters. I'm not here to convince because nobody was ever convinced into believing that they should be in a relationship. I didn't convince Jed that he should be in a relationship with anybody. He encountered them, was engaged and interested, and then leaned into that thing. Yeah, okay. And so my hope is that you encounter something larger than you that feels stable. So that's number one. That's at the top of the list. Yes. And that's something you, you attempt to be intentional with on a daily basis or a regular basis. Yeah. And I I would say, you know, those things, if you're, you know, if you're in a a Buddhist or is in in, in an Islamic state or a follower of just basic breathing principles, those things should be hourly. Right. You know, where you're kind of setting aside and going, look, I'm, I fall out of order regularly because again, I'm not in stasis. I'm constantly changing. I like that. And so this ability to just stop and breathe, you'll hear this from neurologists, one of which is my brother. He tells me all the time. He's like, one of the most beneficial things you can do is any, every 25 minutes, set a timer on your watch or clock or phone and take a moment to take six deep breaths. It resets the frontal cortex of your brain. And so even that moment, just to like say, move, 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 move 25 minutes. Okay. Stop breathe, reset. Now there's stasis. And now I can change in a direction from a place of stability, which is really helpful. Interesting. So what's number two? So in, in my life, number two is my wife, Catherine, Okay. because for me, you know, there are these beautiful vows that we entered into in marriage where I said, you know, we're now one. Mm-hmm. And so in that oneness, my first space on this planet is to be considering how am I number two to your number one? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, you know, it's, or maybe how am I B to your A? Cause now it might get confusing. You're like, I thought one was right. your spirituality. Now, now, now your wife's, no, no. So if we'll it's easier letters. to, you're right. If it's easier to think, you know, now I've, I've, I've letterized it. So you've got an A and a B. I want to be secondary to her primacy mm-hmm. in that space mm-hmm. because this is what I promised her. I mm-hmm. said, look, you know, whether you believe uh, it's a contract or whether you believe it's a covenant or, you know, again, whatever language is helpful to you, hopefully when that person walked down the aisle to you or you walked down the aisle to them, what you said is, my goal is that for the rest of my life, you will always feel like you're getting more out of this than Mm. I am. Hmm. Like I'm giving more than I'm getting. Because when you have two people who are operating that space, amazing. Yeah. Like just amazing. That's ideal. Right. Absolutely. That's the ideal. And and if you can communicate this order to that person, right. then it opens them up in ways that you wouldn't imagine. Like, you know, I was joking with Jed and some of our friends here that um, I put a ringtone on purpose on my phone that is kind of cheesy and dumb. Yeah. It's this Mariah Carey, always be my baby. But the reason I put it on there is because yeah. you can't not feel good when you hear it. Like, it's just amazing. I mean, it just it just is. And you so, cannot feel good when yeah, you hear it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe you feel crazy, but it's not for not you. not prescriptive. Exactly. My man, nailing. Exactly. And so for me, I hear it, and it, it already sets the stage that I'm excited to talk to this woman. Yeah. I mean, we've been in places of, of contention and strife and conflict and i hear that song and i'm like okay just pause until it gets six seconds seven seconds into the song i'm like okay 
And it like pulls it you out of that. It does a reset. Yeah. Yeah. I know. like that. And so for you, you know, maybe yours is a Nickelback song. Yeah. I don't well, know ooh, what your jam is. Oh, oh, just come kidding. On. That was a just good kidding. That, that was a good dig. dig. I deserve it. Yeah, yeah. I deserve it. I'll Wonder. have to think of what it would be. Yeah. But I'm sure there I'm sure there is one. But but also the beauty of that is I hardly ever take my phone on to vibrate. Um, because what I've done, especially with people who are around me, my friends or the people that I work with, is when they hear that song. They know that they are not priority, that the priority has just rung in and they're about to be interrupted. That's bad. (laughs) And I like setting the tone for that. I like like them understanding the hierarchy of my life, that I chose to be one with this woman Mm -hmm. and that they are now a distant, distant uh, space in that order uh, for me. I I like, so when when I, I loved picturing you in a meeting or something and your phone goes off and, and, and some people or most people or maybe everybody in the room knows and instantly they're like, ooh, that's his number two. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, it. that's it. He's got number two on the line. That's it. That's it. Number two's here. Carl <laughs> talks about the order all the time. And so uh, so we get that. But, you know, the, this really beautiful thing happens because I know somebody's listening right now and go, Carl, you, you don't understand. I have meetings with really important people. Right. And we're trying to do really right. crushing hard things with right. deadlines. And you don't get my life. And I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm here to tell you what it does, though, in those rooms. Because I've sat in, like, really important meeting. And my wife has my calendar. We share an iCal, so she knows yeah. where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't ring unless it's important if she knows I'm in a space. So she values the fact that I value her so much. Mm-hmm. So she holds that with great care and affection. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I'm already communicating to her her place of importance in my life. And so then she protects that. And so sometimes you have to be careful. Maybe you're not in a healthy space with that person. Right. Maybe you're right. not in a place to, to do that as yeah. readily yet. And maybe that's a goal. But what it will do to the other people in your life, they'll go, I wish somebody would do that for me. Yeah. I wish somebody would treat me like that. Yeah. What would it look like? Am I, what would I have to be vulnerable enough to do? So I'm, you know, you can't see me on the podcast. I'm a fairly large human being. I'm, you know, a, a, not a super serious guy, but I do some serious things. And it takes some vulnerability on my part to go, I don't have any ego when a really girly Mariah Carey song that makes me feel good plays. <laughs> that's so great. In setting the tone for these other people as to what my priorities are. Oh, that's, that is enviable confidence my friend <laughs> i love it what's number three so for me you know we've we've got kids and so um i think in the same way that my wife walked down to the aisle and i said yes my kids didn't have any choice in coming into the world and who they were assigned to yeah. my wife and i picked that yeah and so in that moment i decided that you're going to come into the world and that we're going to do this thing together and the least i could do is be present (laughs) to you when you didn't pick that Mm -hmm. and so again same thing uh you know i've been in a meeting uh with people trying to do some things and my kids run in everybody in that room knows all right this thing's shut down number three is here that's it yeah and we we are four right yeah and they know they're they four, know right? they're four okay. and so they know i hold them in high regard and i love them and i would do anything in the world for yeah, them four is pretty good four is pretty good <laughs> in our new world of multiple priorities right <laughs> that's right, right? four is not too shabby right, come it's on not too shabby um <laughs> but in in that space i want 
um, you know, because the, the big thing we struggle with uh, as humans, entrepreneurs, creatives, whoever we are listening to this thing, is a sense of identity. Mm. Because everybody has some sort of hurt in their history with identity. You're either pretty and that's all somebody saw. You're ugly and that's all somebody saw. Mm. You're uh, talented and that's all somebody saw. Or you weren't talented. Yeah. You know, you were part of this group or you weren't. And it doesn't matter whether you were inside or outside. It all comes with different identity pain. Because one of the things I, I, I talk with people all the time, you could not ask me and pay me enough money to be an attractive, um, well-rounded woman in the 21st century mm. because you have to work so much harder in order to be taken seriously. Yeah. And then also there's so much envy and jealousy from everybody else that they write you off and assume, well, they just got there on their looks or whatever. Right. So we think, oh, my, my hurt, my wound in terms of my identity is the only one and yours isn't real. We've got 7 billion people walking around right. with some sort of identity hood because as humans, we're always creating a boundary of the other. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing I can do as a dad to my kids right now is solidifying their identity. Look, in dad's, in dad's order of things, I'm above everybody. Like there's one other breathing person on the planet who has more pull than I do. And I say that to their face. Like, look, yeah. mommy and daddy are going on a date. She's number two. You're number three. Yeah. I'll see you later on. So yeah. they see my value of her. And then in rooms and spaces with other people, they see their value in context yeah, of that. Because at, th- at the same time, you're instilling in them that they're number three. They're above everybody. That's everybody. powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's getting me a little bit. I have, yeah. to, I have to pull it together. <laughs> <laughs> and so everybody else is number four, obviously. Everybody else is number that's, four. That's what's left. Yeah. And, and I, you know, when I, when I share this with friends or colleagues or in different spaces, I'm, I'm very clear on that. I say, you know, cause it's very quick. Obviously we've talked about this for a couple minutes now, right. but the idea of this quick, it, to me, it's, you know, my creator, my wife, my kids, and then everybody else. Right. And everybody else is whoever I feel like is in front of me in that moment and has a need that I can like lean into and like carry that. and assist. Yeah. And so that, that now isn't also based on what you can do for me. It's based on what is the need? What, what can I do? What can I kind of come in, link arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder and, and help carry for you or help celebrate? Cause you know, one of the concepts we talked about briefly was this idea of with everybody we encounter, if we're going to be decent, wonderful human beings who are impactful in their life, we need to figure out how we uh, carry pain and celebrate pleasure. Oh, I like that you know? piece too. Yep. Yeah. And so I want the, the, all the fours in my life, you and everybody else that I come into contact with go like, I esteem your fourness and, and in your life, I want to lean in and Hey man, if I hear you kind of going, Hey man, I I need to share some stuff and it it feels like a complaint. Okay. That's about a pain space. So how do I grieve that? How do I help carry you some of the weight of that, uh, carry with you the weight of that right now? Or if you're going, Carl, oh my gosh podcast amazing get all this great feedback man tell me more about that yeah it's really quality i love what you're doing how do we get more people to enjoy that and how am i celebrating well with you and being present in the moment to go well done like that is awesome that's fantastic you have these great you have these great little um pieces the, the order versus balance the the carry pain and and celebrate pleasure, pleasure. yeah um, that are, to me are, are great little things that are easy to memorize. I love the concept of ordering things out um, and focusing on that rather than striving for a, 
a mist, right? Yeah. Or a myth. Yeah. It's a mist and a myth. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's both. It doesn't, it doesn't really exist. Right. Yeah. It certainly isn't tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, the other one that really sticks with me that you said the other day is the relationship of, I'll, I'll put it this way and then I'll, I'll hand it off to you, but the relationship between rest and work. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Can you, can you dive into that a bit? Sure. Yeah. So uh, again, if you look at whether it's mythology, philosophy, or religion, mm-hmm. almost all of these big things that have captivated human imagination have a fairly similar origin story. So we'll just take the Judeo-Christian one, for example. In that one, there's a benevolent being, God, and he creates the world. And at the end of creation... And think about it. This this is a logical being, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. so what I love is um, when you know you're. It doesn't matter if you're talking about Einstein or Hawking's or Neil Tyson Degrassi. They talk about if there is a being, you know, um, the the being is the first great scientist, and mm. the language is mathematics. Right. And I love those ideas. Yeah. Right. So there's there's all this science. Those things are not mutually exclusive they're actually mutually inclusive mm-hmm. they're required of each other and so you think about you know whether that's uh, a six-day idea if that's you know billions right. of years whatever uh, works in your context um there's this thing create the world light and darkness the mountains the rivers all this beauty just comes into kind of existence you know billions of years or or instantaneously and then from all of these, again, mythology philosophy religion stories then there's an origin space for humanity and the Judeo-Christian, the logic, the mathematics of this goes, I create the world, and then I create humans, you know, man and woman. And then the first thing in the, the Torah and the Bible is, and then they rested. Hmm. And so if you think about the mathematics, the science, the logic of that, these creatures, you know, our, our great ancestors, were breathed into being kind of face-to-face with this creator, and then their first experience, the first, you know, I'm using air quotes here, day, Mm -hmm. again, time being nonspecific, their first space of existence is then the seventh day, rest. Which Yeah, which is rest. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you think about it, they didn't wake up and then go, hey, what's the job? Like, what are we doing? Uh, And again, in, in in the Bible, in the Torah, and God said, and he made creation, he saw it, and it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested and dwelled amongst his creation. Hmm. And again, whether you're a follower of that, appreciator, non-appreciator, we all have different histories on that. I love the idea of that. I love the idea. The first thing that the human beings did was rest. And rest was about community together, dwelling together with each other and with their creator. Right. And so this idea, you know, if you look at modern culture, so I'm from South Africa and we're trying to somehow catch the states in terms of our work pace. You know, everybody looks at the U.S. and go, look at all the things they're producing and the things they have. If we work harder and more, uh, you know, we can kind of catch up at the the speed. You see the the Japanese are masters of it Mm -hmm. in the 25th century. They work really hard, these uh, crazy long 70 and 80 hour national work weeks. And Especially in the Western culture, you know, what, what's common phrases we hear in the U.S. now? It's like, oh, you know, FML, um, yeah. it's Monday. Right. Right? <laughs> and you think about that concept. Monday's not a thing. Yeah. 
you know it we've attached things to it yeah. but it's the exact same thing that happened the other day you were unconscious and you became conscious right. but we've created a construct and now we're like well we hate this particular day that i woke up <laughs> right which I'm is sorry insane. for laughing i've just never no, yeah, thought about it like yeah, that before but it's insane right i mean yeah. we're laughing you can even the, have a case of the mondays as if it's this i mean garfield disease. has somehow set our <laughs> national consciousness on the way I'm supposed to view my week. <laughs> yeah, like an true. orange cat from a comic strip has told me how to feel about my day. Like the insanity of that yeah. should be overwhelming. That's, it should make I got us, an orange cat that doesn't yeah. even exist. Right. right. We should have nervous laughter that this is what we're passing on future generations. <laughs> maybe like, maybe hey, there is some nerves yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry about the cat thing. We didn't really examine it. It just kind of spiraled out of control. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that. <laughs> But then, you know, we do uh, the other part of that, you know, the bookend to that is I'm working for the... The weekend, yeah, the right. The weekend. P-G-I-F. That's right. Uh-huh. You know, we've got this obsession Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. And not only do we have an obsession with that, then we try and numb out really hard. Yeah. Man, I'm going to get blackout on Friday. Right. Right? <laughs> because work is so hard yeah. that I need to escape I from need that. to escape, right. That's it. Right. And again, you know, we, you know, my particular kind of philosophy on this and what I'm seeing, you know, we are also one of the first cultures to make a non-rest day the first day of our week. If you look at Jewish culture for, you know, millennia, the Sabbath starts the week, starts on Sunday. You know, it's that idea that we're resting first and then going into work. We're feasting, we're, you know, enjoying each other in community. We're not, you know, doing heavy labor, we're being together. And that sets the pace for the rest of what we're doing in this time construct we call a week. And so for us as human beings, if we look at that larger narrative, you know, this possible uh, story, uh, whether it is analogy or not, it's this beautiful idea that said, I am not created, I am not designed to rest from work. I am designed to work from rest. Oh, I love that. Like bells ring in my head Mm -hmm. when I... When I hear that, be- because I want it so much to be that way. Yeah. Now I I think it is that way, but I've never really considered the concept and until just recently um, that we are actually made in a way and we function biologically in a way and neurologically, because mm-hmm. I know you have a lot of stuff to back that up uh, yeah. via your brother. That 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 work should come from rest and not the other way around. And yeah. then to circle back to the that the creation story you were mentioning, um, that's exactly kind of what happened. On, on what they rested, and then yeah. there was a lot of work to be done. Sure, and you know there there's a, a very you know kind of beautiful distinction even in that creation story. So when things were right, you know, in this garden again, right. mythological, mythological, analogous or real, however right. you're viewing that, the beauty is the idea. Yeah. Um, they are in the garden and then they start to tend that there is right. work right. because we are designed. We want to be productive. If you see in later uh, years, the place, you know, uh, where we see uh, large deterioration, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally um, and, and psychologically is when people stop feeling needed or productive you see this sometimes maybe in your grandparents or great-grandparents yeah. where they want desperately to engage in conversation. And we, again, as a culture, have done this really terrible thing where we say, well, let me shove you into a home. You're no longer useful. We're not going to visit. 
and the insanity of that it should also strike us. It's like, hold on, somebody with 80 years of life experience oh, is yes. somehow no longer valuable? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, but we do this, um, and and it should highlight for us the the need to be needed and to be productive. It is hardwired into us. Mm-hmm. You see, even with children, so I've got a two-year-old little little girl, and she'll grab a baby doll, and she wants to mother her. She's yes. trying to be productive. Oh, my and God. Nobody ever taught her to do that. Right. Now, I'd never sat her and, hey, babe, these are the nine things you're going to do with your baby doll. They right. just start to do it. It's so like, true. It's just amazing. Yeah. Your sons will, you know, and, and again, uh, this is not gender specific. My son will play with a baby doll and my, my daughter and son will both start building blocks. Right. They want to be creative. They want to be productive. And so even in the, the creation story that we're referencing, Adam and Eve these two archetypes in the story go out and they work in the garden. Yeah. And it's only later when there's a differentiation after things are broken and they have to leave perfection that then it said, and now you will sweat from your labor. Yeah. Okay. Now this is painful. Yeah. Now this is, you have to do this for survival, not because it's a benefit of existence. Interesting. So there's a big difference between my work and my labor. Mm Mm-hmm. Work should be fulfilling, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes we're in a fallen world, and so sometimes you have to labor. And right. It's not fun. Right. It's just where we are. Right. But there is this sense of can I even in that create order? Like what was I designed to do? What was the innate work that makes me feel and come alive? And how do I translate that out of the things that I have to do, like my labor? Mm-hmm. And is there a way that I can start to um, swing the pendulum on that and do more of the work? that I want to do and less of the labor that I have to do. I like how and, that swings back around. I, I like how that connects. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's probably a completely different podcast. <laughs> well, but there, <laughs> yeah, you're correct. But I do like, I do like how that circles back um, because having things in order when your work becomes laborious mm-hmm. is probably key. Yeah. I'm just thinking of this now. This isn't, yeah. but it's, it's, it, I'm making these connections right now. And and the beauty in that connection that you'll you know your neurons are firing creating yeah. a new pathway in that idea is yeah. that if we can let go of the balance idea because right now your brain is already going okay how do I lock this into a balance context yeah, you're right because you're like okay some things I have to do for work <laughs> some things I want to do right. but it's a balance conversation right. Right. and you're not going to find balance it's how can I set the order and the beauty of rest is we can rest in thirty seconds yeah. And then it will create work that is coming out of a place of rest. So it's even what we were talking about before, that little exercise where you, you take 25 minutes, you stop, you take six deep breaths. All of a sudden you have rested and now you can work from rest. It's not saying, well, Carl, you don't understand. I've got 80 weddings this year. Or I have right. to do this thing. or I've got a proposal that needs all this. Great. All of that is, I'm not asking you to devalue or shift any of that. I'm just saying... It is beneficial when you can reestablish the order. And because you're not striving for balance, you can inject order anywhere and go, I can take 30 seconds to take six deep breaths. <laughs> right, right. Right? Because if I can't, things are severely broken yeah, you, in my life. You have other issues at that You're point. also a liar. So <laughs> you can stop lying to us and to yourself and all the other that's, stuff. Like, that's, because, and, that's the uh, first issue. <laughs> You're not and, telling the truth. Yeah, and here, here's a brief little tangent on that, just talking about like cultural kind of sociology and shifts in the last 15 years. Mm. Uh, there were studies done in the you know late 90s and said, what is the most common response when you asked a friend or a, a you know an acquaintance, how are you doing? 
And the most common response in the end of the 20th century was, I'm okay, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. The most common response in the 21st century in the last 15 years is, I'm busy. There's been this shift. Interesting. I think that's so true. We value this production. I'm busy. Let me, and again, we're playing this compare and contrast mm-hmm. thing. Like, let me show you that I have value by, by illuminating you to the busyness of me. Hmm. When if we're honest in those kind of dark, quiet places when nobody else is around, I'm like, if I was really efficient, how busy would I really be? <laughs> right. right. If I was resting right. appropriately and working really well and efficiently from a place of rest, how busy am I really? So the proper response is, ooh, what are you doing wrong? Not, <laughs> yeah. oh, you got it going on. That's right. It's, it's, it should be like, oh, what's what's wrong? What, yeah. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I help you with yeah, your efficiency? Because I-, <laughs> I think you're working really hard, <laughs> yeah. but maybe we can fix some things and we can shift from labor into work because you seem to be sweating a lot. I mean, hydration is probably an issue oh, for you. I laugh, and yet I think it's a, I think it's a legitimately serious thing. Issue. Oh, it's, I think it's a big deal. And I I mean, we should laugh. I mean, laugh is great medicine. But, you know, um, Jed referenced my brother earlier. He's a functional neurologist. And any physician will tell you now the number one killer is stress. Mm. And stress is this internalized sense of your own busyness mm. and somebody else's busyness being forced upon you. Right. And so you have to react to it. And so if there are ways for us to decompress from that, and you know, I mentioned a book yesterday, I think everybody should read, it's called Essentialism. And in the book, there's this one great line where the author says, it is hard to overestimate the unimportance of virtually everything. I want you to say that again, because I remember that and I love it. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. So it's from the book Essentialism. And he says, it is um, virtually impossible to overestimate the unimportance of virtually everything. That's awesome. Yeah. And so in that, you know, again, this is, if you think about a stressor right now in your life, most of it is because we've overvalued the underimportant. Mm-hmm. And if we can get from a place where it's not an obsession with our own busyness, we can literally get physically healthier, emotionally healthier, more productive in our workspaces, all the things that we want. But sometimes, you know, it's the beauty of podcasts like you guys are putting on that I love is let me not work in the business. Let me work on the business. And for most of us, we are the business. Right. And so if I can work on the way that I'm wired to think about this thing, I can improve again the order my God, my marriage, my parenting, and then everything else. I love it. I, I love it. It's, I'm going, I want to listen to this like three more times. <laughs> yeah, you need to send it to me because I'm, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, everybody who's listening needs to understand uh, Carl is still getting this. This you is every day. Process. I'm, yes, <laughs> I'm never getting over it. I'm always going through it. I and like that's it. the beauty of oh, humanity. Oh, I like that too. See, there you go again. You have all these liners. You see, I'm a, I don't know if you were this way. So when I first came to the States, um, we uh, went to, I mean, the Mecca, the beauty that is Dollywood. I mean, that's why you come Dollywood. to the U.S., right? Yeah, yes. you go to Gatlinburg yep. to see Dollywood. Okay. Um, no, never mind that we'd heard about New York or, you know, <laughs> Disneyland, you right? No, yeah, you're like, oh, you came all the way from South Africa and you went, oh, that's weird. I'm Dollywood. sorry. Okay. Uh, hey, for any of you listening from East Tennessee, I loved it. I'm just saying, we can all be honest. That may not be the first place your travel agent would send you from deepest, darkest Africa. But when we came here, I remember we rented like a you know station wagon. It was one of those ones where you could look out the back. And, yeah. and I remember one of the things that I loved was there's bumper stickers everywhere. And so I think the heartbeat of my communication is always, I'm too dumb to remember really big, long points. And so I need them very succinct 
So I can go, oh, I need to uh, work from rest or, oh, I need to go through it, not get over it. I, you know, I, like so it. I, I think in kind of bumper sticker slogan spaces because I, I need that. I think bumper sticker wisdom is where it's at. Yeah, exactly. You know what? This was great. How, how can people find you? Where can people stalk you? Uh, nowhere. I'm completely off it now. I'm just kidding. Um, so if, if you really want to see pictures of my kids, I guess yeah. you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and I have a music website, but these days uh, I do kind of music halftime and then teaching halftime. Is it just and at so Carl Dillon? It's just at Carl Dillon. It's Carl with a C and Dillon like Bob D-Y-L-A-N. But if you Google that, I'm annoyingly present online. Okay. But not really useful. If you like this, this is basically the only place you can get it. So uh, you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for your time. It was absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Jed. I appreciate you having me on. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Cheers. Cheers.